Hey, what's going on, good people? Welcome back to another episode of The Black Codes. You're here with your co-host, Donald, and the helpful and doesn't need no extra help <laughs> co-host, Savannah. Hi. So we were having a conversation just before we got on air about self-help, and we're like, we should just put this on air. <laughs> and so I wanted to know, where do you think motivational speaking and like get, getting into that stuff falls into the world of self-help? So when I was younger and by younger, I literally mean like a year ago <laughs> up until that point, maybe not even a full year, maybe like five or six months ago. I thought it During was During the first quarantine? <laughs> yeah. I thought it was corny. Like, especially the ones that kind of get um, plastered and promoted. They're hype. They're extra. They're yelling. They're like... Granted, I know they're passionate and just the way that they speak, but all of that is off-putting. I just, like, don't like it. I'm not interested. Yeah. Um, it's never been something that I was excited to listen to or excited to participate in. I literally have never purchased a self-help book, a motivational book in my life. But recently, I do, I'm seeing the value and maybe just realizing there are people that are that have like gone through what you've gone through and they do have um important information to share like I've also been one of those people I didn't like this idea of having a mentor like I just I for what <laughs> and all those things make your life easier you know um sometimes you do need a bit of motivation just to get you off your ass and to get you into things but yeah I am getting over it now but for most of my life I thought it was corny and if you were a person that really subscribed to it I thought you were corny and you had <laughs> no ability to like help yourself out so you had to go to outside sources but there's nothing wrong with that if you can recognize like i can't do this by myself i need outside um support and you do that that's a great for you i shouldn't have been so wild <laughs> about you, my thoughts did that ever get in the way of you being a jumpstart mentor like the idea that you thought that it was corny in the first place so it's like why are you coming to me um well, I was not a successful That's why I said that. Me mentor at all, but it was very much because I just, like, my first mentee, her first semester, she was really struggling being at Slippery Rock. She didn't like it. She was constantly complaining about people being fake, not making friends. She missed her family. And this went on for weeks. And finally, I was like, well, girl, you know you can transfer. Like, there are schools in Ohio. If you think you would be more comfortable, I can help you look into them. Like, it might be a better option for you if you're so miserable. Like, don't make your college experience miserable. I thought that was pretty sound advice. What did she do? Went to the LMD director and said, she's not supporting me. I need someone else. She's not, like, trying to sell me on the school. And But it's like... I'm not a salesperson. If you're mis miserable here, I'm not going to try to find 20 reasons to get you to stay. Girl, leave. You can go and get a, your bachelor's degree somewhere else. That'll make you happier. So, yeah, no, I was not a successful mentor. I don't think that's bad advice. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, right? Um, I will say I wasn't properly, I wasn't probably partnered with mentees that aligned with me either which didn't help i think those evaluations that we did about who our mentee is going to be it's more based on like major and stuff not like 
psychological uh compatibility it was and because no one no one was coming in as like a history major i always just got like the extra person like oh there wasn't enough biology mentors so you get this girl in biology okay well she's failing every single class i ask her if she gets a tutor she tells me yeah she tells me she's doing her homework then brings her test to me and she got a d i can't tutor her directly i think she needs someone (laughs) (laughs) she needs help Um, yeah, you know, that's interesting. I didn't know that part about you, that you didn't even, you weren't even into the idea of mentors. Yeah, no. Um, I remember coming out of high school. So like, I I think I did have a good phase of like self-help, but it was in its own way. Like, even as I try to explain it out, I'm caught in the question, was I really that deep into Mm self-help? Like coming out of high school, I was like into the whole mentor thing. I was like, yo, look, this is how I grew up. And I, I, I know I'm, I have some level of intellectual capacity but i'm like i don't there's a whole lot of stuff i just don't know yeah and i'm like yo bruh y'all need to help me <laughs> like i remember when we go on these college tours i'm like you know they would all the all the people in the college tours to talk about you need to get involved and you need to do this and mm-hmm. i was like if you're important enough to not be in class right now and you're walking backwards on this campus telling me to do shit i should probably just do what you got to say <laughs> yeah see i looked at those people differently it's like boy why are you it's cold and it's snowing why are you out here why are you doing this <laughs> like it's not that deep but I, I don't know i was just wild and crazy i also just very much felt like you can do the shit on your own like mm-hmm. stop being lazy like we mm-hmm. all have access or the ability to access the same information but that's not necessarily true it's not even just access but even knowing it's there yeah like i think a lot of not just like the whole self-help genre but even but partially that but also finding mentors or like you know some of these even at times the good motivational people there's this level of you don't even know what you're not aware of Mm -hmm. and you need experiences or Mm -hmm. to read certain things to be brought to light of what you're not even aware of right and i've had a lot of those moments between like whether it was like reading the first book that came to mind, 48 Laws of Power, right? You know, some people have very controversial uh, mm-hmm. feelings about that. Like, oh, this is a book for fucking sociopaths. I'm mm-hmm. like, no, look, you know, it, it does help in certain situations with for relationships, sure. um, especially when it comes to not getting done over. But there was a lot exposed to me in that like, oh, nigga, I didn't even know people could move like this. Yeah. <laughs> or like, oh, people was doing this, but like I didn't have a way to like categorize it yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially at like, I think I read that like 22. Right. Or, you know, other different books. Like I love Robert Greene's books, first of all, like Mastery and uh, The Art of Seduction I'm trying to get through. Mm-hmm. But there was other things, um, you know, like- The I remember, Art of War the Art of is War. a big one, yeah. There was a book I read a few years ago, The Art of Persuasion. But then it starts getting into the section of where does it not become self-help? Versus, like, this is just good stuff to read about human nature and psychological, sociological things. Like, where does that line get drawn? Right. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, I will say I'm kind of past that. And I not, not that I'm actively seeking for a mentor right now, but there are things that I want to do that um, I definitely need, like, assistance doing it. Mm and yeah like I think if you are really so like married to something and it's becoming like a detriment almost or you're so obsessed with like reading all of these things and you're not putting any of it into action it's not really helping you like at some point all of this stuff should be for you to to be able to move the way you want in a way that's going to be successful and if that's not happening then you do need to reevaluate like 
what you're doing and yeah. why you're doing it. You know, actually, I, I think I did figure out there's a there's there's a, there's a line. So like one of my favorite motivational speakers is Eric Thomas, <laughs> ET yeah. hip hop preacher. That's my guy. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Audrey. Forback, yeah, that's her last name from Slippery Rock. If you remember her from uh, UPB, that's her like cousin, I think. And she brought him our freshman year in 2011, and I was like, oh, that's my nigga. Mm. Like sophomore year, when um, yeah, sophomore year I was an RA. I was heavy on listening to those speeches. I came back from Oregon, and I was like, oh, I'm on my Eric Thomas. Like it got me to be a morning person. Like not that I hated morning growing up throughout high school, but I was not a morning person. Yeah. But like it got me into that. All that jazz, and like I still listen to that, but that like Tony Robbins and people who are, like obsessed with like Les Browns and all that, and then you start paying to go to their seminars, and you start paying to go to like there's like seminars you can drop thousands of dollars to go to, you fly across the country to go to these speeches, and like they're not like always giving you real tools because like people come from all sorts of career backgrounds. It's just like yeah. ways to get you hyped and to kind of help work with your mindset. I think that's more of that crazy self-help stuff that people get into yeah like i might fuck with your book if you put a book out i'm not spending seven hundred dollars or a thousand sometimes that shit's expensive to hear you basically talk in circles or say you have all these gems but never really provide the actual gem you kind of talk around it yeah i think there's also a lot of people just because if you're a good if you're a good talker and you can command an audience there's a lot of swindling and seeding seediness and I'm just naturally like distrustful of people mm-hmm. and I'm I'm good, you know? Like I'm just I'm okay. I didn't love going to church kind of for the same reason. Mm-hmm. Like you can give me this information and then I'll go off and figure out like what works for me, but spending like a paycheck on your three day <laughs> event and at the hilton no i'm good yeah i get that um you know people definitely can go down the rabbit hole with that and it's like you're paying all this money for someone to coach you on something that like their business is talking and Mm -hmm. i had to think about that like when i was younger i was like yo i'm not about to be what are you teaching me like you're making me want to work and all that like that's cool i appreciate that but like i I don't want to pay for that i'm like you don't work in my sector like you're not teaching me how to run my business you don't even own a business you own a speaking business which is like yeah you own a business but it's like uh yeah it's a great i think groundwork it's great to like help set a fire under your ass or maybe relight a fire if you start to burn out but in terms of just like really buying into the system, no, I'm I'm good on that. Yeah, it's border because it gets borderline culty. To yeah, point. it definitely and, can. Yeah, people like do wild stuff, mm-hmm. and you know, as I've kind of like got to this point, like I'm I've always been into the mentoring thing. Like you know, I've had mentors since I was in college. I pay for business coaches. Like I'm in a mastermind group, but mm-hmm. they all own gyms. Mm-hmm. And the guy who runs it, and he owns the gym. <laughs> yeah, and so you can directly go to him and ask a question, and he'll probably have either been there or know someone that can mm-hmm. assist you through that. That yeah. is worth it. Like yeah. that makes sense, but. You just telling me the 12 steps to be my better person? No, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, so um, please miss us with the whole Steve Harvey advice, too. We don't want that. Yeah, no. So, um, you know, over the course of time, we, we took a, uh, a little segue, and we mm-hmm. talked about um, craziness that white people have been doing and terrorizing yeah. America. Yes. Their, their country that they love so dearly. 
and we were talking about discrimination, which is its own form of like light terrorism. Mm-hmm. But we had a, a variety of topics from healthcare to um, housing to economic um, discrimination. And we actually wanted to end that series with this episode talking about health, food, activity, and um, how you know those discrepancies in culture here in, in the U.S. And so that's what we're going to come at today. Please want to make sure that you like, subscribe, and share the show with somebody. Yes. If you're listening to this episode, um, for the and this is your first time listening to us, welcome. Please go back and check out some of the old ones. And if you've been an old-timer, you know, quote-unquote old-timer, right, um, please share this with somebody, you know. And if you have, thank you. And, of course, we can't forget. <laughs> Our Indian listenership. Shout-out to y'all. We're just going to keep shouting you out um, just because it's so crazy to us. Like, what is what was the woman's name again? Uh, well, the woman that I suspect did this. Well, she was on my Facebook Live and did tell me she listens to this. And uh-huh. She did share it. Tanagotri. Mm-hmm. Tanagotri. Yeah, shout out to you. Um, She's doing big are, things. Like. Hopefully y'all are learning stuff. And, I mean, it seems like you you're, you keep coming back, so you're enjoying it. Yes, yes. Learn about what's going on over here. That's not hot like... mess ass of a country. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we, we have focused on, like, equity and what that looks like and how um things aren't equitable and not only are they just not equitable we literally have been stiff armed out of things um blocked out of things refused denied things forced to live in certain places where just the standard of living is subpar access to things are subpar and um we wanted to kind of wrap that up. So so the health episode that we did, the first part of it, we kind of got into the history of why a lot of Black people are just naturally um, distrusting of medical professionals and why a lot of people don't go to the doctor, why they don't go to the hospital because of just our history with the medical profession, with medical um, caregivers. We've been experimented on, we've been exploited, we have been given hospitals or access to healthcare, but it's been subpar. Um, Or, well, I guess part of subpar would be our medical professionals not listening to us and dying as a direct result of their uh, what's that word? It starts mal malpractice. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know our lives are at stake. And you know we talked about the Tuskegee experiment and um, Mar- John, Jim James Marion Sims, the quote unquote father of gynecology, and how kind of all of that came to be. Um, so yeah, laying the groundwork for why that distrust is there. And I thought it was important that we kind of touch on some of the reasons why we're also i don't want to say more unhealthy but why we have so a lot of the issues that we have so you remember alita from from slip rock yes so her and a friend they just started this new business called mothers of maternity like they just made this announcement last week mm-hmm. and they posted a stat on i think it was like on their facebook or instagram page and i don't remember the exact statistic uh for like the number but they had said that maternity risks for black women drop significantly when they are dealing with a black doctor Mm -hmm. who's helping them with giving birth Mm -hmm. which you know on one hand like that's not surprising but on the other hand it's like damn really it's crazy 
I've always kind of felt like I am not really planning to have a kid, but if it happens, like my mom will be there. One, because she's my mom, but two, because she's a medical provider. Mm-hmm. And I just, unless I ended up having like a black OBGYN, which I probably actively will try to do, um, my mom is still going to be there because like I am not in the medical profession. I don't know what you're talking about. And if I'm having issues, like I need to know that I'm going to be heard and listened to and taken seriously. Um that's crazy like and 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 how people how doctors aren't being this isn't being followed up and looked at more seriously yeah (laughs) it's it's disgusting um so yeah that that was kind of just a little recap about what we talked about the last time and i mentioned i think i said this in the last episode i just kind of want to bring it back so the cdc did this um study which lasted from 1999 to 2015 called vital signs where they kind of you know, surveyed and did research on um, uh, racial disparities in regards to mortality and how people die and things like that, health specific. And uh, they say that social and economic conditions such as poverty contribute to gaps in health differences between black and white persons. In all age groups, the analysis showed that black persons had lower educational attainment and home ownership and nearly twice the rate of poverty and unemployment as whites. We've talked about housing issues. We talked about education issues. We talked about loans and trying to access money to start, like, just to live your life. So all of those things culminate in essentially not only socially keeping you down, economically keeping you down, but like in a health way, keeping you down. Um, mental health is something that's becoming more and more popular and something that is, you know, given more, uh, I guess it's taken more seriously than it has been in the past. So I wanted to make sure that we talk about mental health and just the stress of living while black in the last episode that we did talking about um the bullshit that those white people did on wednesday you said something about from for like a 70 year period there was between for 73 years between 1877 and 1950 there were 4,084 recorded lynchings, mm-hmm. and that was more than one a week for 73 years. That's entire, that, that covers somebody's entire lifespan. So imagine that thought. Like, you probably, during that time, you probably knew someone that got lynched or someone in the town. It's just an act of fear that parents, mothers, are all, especially towards their black male children, um, their dads and, and things like this, like... The stress that you would be under knowing that like some white people can run up in your shit and take you and hang you and not serve any consequences at all. Uh, So stress is actually defined like how the brain and body respond to any demand. Um, 
So yeah, interactions with the police, any traveling through certain places. I don't know if you watch Lovecraft Country, but they, you should watch it. You're into sci-fi. It's black people. Um, if you don't have HBO Max, I will have a TV probably the next time you come Oh my here. God, what? Yeah, my mom is giving me a TV. Um, and you're going to get an HBO subscription? I already have an HBO oh. subscription. I just watch it on my computer. Oh. So you should definitely watch it. Um, but in, Give me that password. <laughs> but no, you can watch it here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but they go into a sundown town, right? It's, and, and for people that don't, that aren't aware, like no. literally, if once the sun went down, if you were black in these cities and these towns, you could get killed. They basically like, well, we reserve the right to do whatever we want now. Because it's posted right here. This is a sundown town. That means get your black ass out of here by the time the sun goes down. And like, out of here, out of here. Like, I don't even want you on the road. Not near in sight at all. They didn't just have access to to uh, traveling the way that we do today. Like, you had to drive. And uh, if you were driving through the South for god whatever reason like these are actively things that you just had to be wary of living in certain places being the first or the only black person to move in a white street what stress does that cause you every single day you don't know if someone's gonna break your door in or put a cross up and light it on fire or just simply harass you and not treat you neighborly um, while that might, while the latter might not do as much damage, still knowing that like they really don't fuck with me, they treat me poorly just because of the color of my skin. Yo, I was just like had a moment where I just like tried to put myself in that situation. I don't think I ever thought about that, like me being the first black person to like move into an area during that era. Yeah. Um, or even like now moving into an area that was not, you know, not the people who have like the Black Lives Matter signs everywhere <laughs> in their yard so their neighbors can see that, right? Right. There's probably lesser of a chance of getting harassed. They're probably going to harass me with trying to be too damn nice. Um, but like living somewhere like down south and, you know, that fear of just being out, right? And knowing that, yo, I'm like at risk, like, like just literally it was a haunting thought to me just now, like a little shiver, just kind of thinking like, yo, what would that be like? Think about one of them old school cars yeah, and like, oh my God, the sun's about to go down. And like, you know, you see like the random white guy, you know, some of those people that are like, they live on the edge of violence already. Mm -hmm. Like there's that, that personality type and mm -hmm. they just looking at you like nodding real slow, like in a fucking movie, like, mm -hmm. yeah, nigga. Ex exactly. <laughs> um... And the National Institute of Mental Health had a list of five things to know about stress. And I picked um, the one that I just wanted to share, which was long-term stress can harm your health. And it says, coping with the impact of chronic stress can be challenging because the source of long-term stress is more constant than acute stress. The body never receives a clear signal to return to normal functioning. With chronic stress, those same life-saving reactions in the body can disturb the immune, digestive, cardiovascular, sleep, and reproductive systems. Some people may experience mainly digestive systems, while, other, while others may have headaches, sleeplessness, sadness, anger, or irritability. 
body. Mm. Over time, continued strain on your body from stress may may contribute to serious health problems such as heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, and other illnesses, including disorders such as depression or anxiety. Which leads us right into are like the actual physical aspect. So that CDC report that I mentioned found that black people between the ages of 20 and 40 years old are more likely to live with or die from diseases that happen to whites later in their life. Tell me if this sounds very familiar. These are the the diseases that that we tend to get earlier. Mm -hmm. Diabetes, high blood pressure, stroke, renal disease. You're telling me it's just not all ham hocks? And, and stroke and renal disease are caused, so I have strokes nearly twice as high for black people for first time. And one of every six related deaths are due to strokes. Mm. Strokes um, can be onset due to high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and obesity. And the South has the most stroke-related deaths, mm. I found. Um, and renal disease, which is... Uh, your kidney, your kidney, kidney disease, um, diabetes and high blood pressure make up about two thirds of the casings, uh, two thirds of the cases of renal disease. And the leading cause of death is from heart disease. So all of these things is like diabetes and high blood pressure, which leads to heart disease and heart attacks are essentially the catalyst for these other diseases mm. and what did this thing just say about acute about chronic stress <laughs> it literally named high blood pressure and diabetes mm-hmm. uh which i just found to be very very interesting and very very telling you know so while you were doing that i was thinking about like at a biochemical level what happens when you're having stress and so there's a hormone called cortisol mm-hmm. a lot of people you've probably heard of that and so this is um something that's relief released i'm sorry when you are faced with stress Mm -hmm. and depending on you know lifestyle like stress is chronic and so when we're looking at and what we're talking about is the stress of chronically being black in in the country where like there is a constant kind of at riskness of your life right and so or even at least just livelihood and so when you have the stress that's going on and on and on like savannah you were saying like these these ailments build up, you get, um, you know, this cortisol levels constantly being in your blood. Like they're supposed to come in, help you respond to a situation and then they go away. That's mm-hmm. what normally happens. And it, it still does happen even with chronic stress. If you have like a random, you're about to get in a car accident, boom, and right. then you kind of bring it down. But when you're constantly having to look over your shoulder, you don't feel safe. There is a decently high level of it still flowing. And so if this is constantly happening, I mean, there's, you know, you get anxiety, depression, uh, people get sleep issues. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get uh, weight gain. This comes part of it because it actually messes with the hormone imbalances in there. And I was another thing I had read. You know, sometimes genetics play a role in this. So sometimes the way your genes are coded, you know, you might just be a person that's predispositioned for stress. Mm-hmm. We also have seen research that talks about how certain traumas can be passed down genetically if they have been experienced long enough and so you know slavery and terrorism things that have happened for hundreds of years here that stuff 
can be passed down For through sure. a collection of different gene responses mm -hmm. um, that collectively show as having you know a stress response to that. So these life experiences, they are the part of those life experiences, just like that constant looking over your shoulder, seeing people that look like you getting slain on the, on the internet Repeatedly. and on TV every day, every and week. And nothing happening to the and person then nothing that happening. them. Yeah. And so these things cause stress to go up. Recording this podcast is fucking stressful. <laughs> That's why we drink and talk shit. <laughs> That's actually great. It is, especially when we have to read all of this stuff. You know, we're like reminded of how bad it is. Like, and these topics are all stuff that we already knew about when we mm -hmm. talked about making this podcast. Mm -hmm. We went through the list of things. Like we are aware of a lot of this. But then it was like doing really good research to even have just a little bit to talk about on here for a quick hour. And, like, that shit is stressful. Yeah, it is. Um, but we do it because it's important. Um, but these are, this is serious, you know? Like, uh, we're, so let's, let's move to food. Because I think talking about food, we talk about diabetes and we talk about high blood pressure. And there is this idea that, like, black people are just fat, lazy, and unhealthy. But it's not that simple sorry to tell you i know y'all want shit to be clean and easy and and pray and pray to your white jesus that racism isn't the reason why some of these things are happening but it is uh just plain and simple so food obviously how we gain our nourishment that will affect greatly our health and our well-being and our ability to really live um Frederick Douglass talks about food, you know, during slavery, when he was an enslaved man, food being used as a weapon. And he gave a few examples, which I wanted to share. He talks about when he was a, a boy, how the kids were essentially given what they called mush, and it was like boiled cornmeal. And it would be thrown in like a trough, which the things that pigs eat out of and like little black kids, like the little enslaved kids would run to this thing and eat as much as they could because it was really like the only food that they were given. Um, house servants actively getting better food, maybe not necessarily the exact same food that the white person, the white family was eating, but they had access to food that was very close or similar, or if they just didn't finish all the food from the dinner, like they just had access to better, well-prepared, better cooked food, more meats and, and different herbs and vegetables and I do want to put an asterisk and say the spectrum of of slavery and the experiences of slaves are, are all over the place. You know, some some enslaved people did have access to some things um, versus some people that were enslaved had access to virtually nothing at all. The only things they had access to were the things that the slave, the slave master allowed them to have access to. Um but if you you're giving the house servants better food than the uh, the slaves outside the people enslaved outside and it's known that's going to cause resentment like that's going to build because food is our basic need and if you're not being fed enough or fed properly but then these other people are you're going to build resentment 
towards that, you know? Mm -hmm. And on the other end, for the people in the house, they're going to think, oh, I'm better than y'all outside. Like, at least I get real food. And maybe they had some guilty feelings about it. Who knows? But we know that there is this divide. And it's still present today. Like, we make these jokes about, oh, no, I would have been a field nigga. You would have been in the house. I'm light skinned. Your dark colorism, all that. But looking at how food was used in that is, I thought was very interesting. Um, The other thing I want to mention that he talked about was alcohol and how it would be given to enslaved people during the six day Christmas break where everyone would kind of pause work and party and um, you know, there was there were people that were enslaved that went to different plantations, like if the plantation two farms over, whatever, maybe their wife or their mother or some part of their family was because they split families up. And sometimes they weren't like states and states over. It was just a plantation or two over. So they would go and they would be with their family. Some people would hunt on their own, tend to their own garden, do like their own little things. Other people would get drunk because it was provided alcohol was provided they would play music and they would try to find some relaxation or you know try to at least have fun and have a good time and there was this idea on part of the slave master that if they're busy getting drunk they're less likely to run away you know and and if they get drunk once they come to after this six-day drunken binge um there was something specifically that I wanted to to quote. Uh, he said that you would rather be slave to a human than uh, a slave to rum. And it says, we staggered up from, from the filth of our wallowing, took a long breath and marched the field, feeling upon the whole rather glad to go from what our master had deceived, deceived us into a belief was freedom back to the arms of slavery so kind of thinking oh this is what you this is what we would do what we could do if we didn't have you know to work these fields like that we could potentially just end up being drunk and that's way worse like it's painful when you come to you don't really get anything done and I just thought that was interesting because still today we see how alcohol specifically and food but alcohol you know, there's a liquor store. If you go in the hood, you can count the liquor stores that are open almost 365, well into the to the late hours of the night. And it's like, what if that was something else? What if that was something more productive and more useful for the community? You know? Yeah. Um, You know, that's a really, that quote, I'm just thinking about that, like, wow. Yeah. That they were like, I'd rather be a slave Mm -hmm. than to be a drunk. Mm -hmm. And to, the the whole race piece aside, just that level of impact that alcohol can have Mm -hmm. on a person's psyche. Yeah. To make them say that. Like, think about that. We, you know, we've talked about a number of things that have happened, horrific things. And for, you know, this abolitionist, yeah. someone who fought for, for freedom, to go ahead and say, man, it's better to be a slave than be a drunk. Well, he was saying, like, within that moment, like, that's the general thought. Like, yeah. I would rather continue living like this to be a slave to, to that. But that, he says this uh, deceit, deceit 
you know, like that it was alcohol being used again as a weapon. It's not just being given because we know we've been riding y'all's asses all year. You provided what you needed to provide. Here's some alcohol. You have six days. Go see your family. Get drunk. Have fun. Like that wasn't the intention behind it. It was more menacing, more cruel, yeah. more ugly for the reasons for giving alcohol to these people. Oh, I, I get that. Um, it kind of hit a little heart note. Yeah. Like, you know, having both parents who struggle with that, mm-hmm. whether they would ever consider themselves alcoholics, not my business. Right. But, like, you know, seeing how that's affected their lives mm-hmm. and, you know, them being defensive, especially one of them, if I call them out on that mm-hmm. and, you know, getting back on their heels and thinking, like, in this quote just kind of made me think, like, damn, it, like, it can be that gripping on people. Yeah. It can be that gripping that in the worst human condition – one would say, damn, I'd rather do that than be a drunk. Yeah. But, um, you know, that whole scraps thing. So I was actually trying to tell you this. I was watching a YouTube video. I watch all these weird educational YouTube videos <laughs> that talk about all the randomest shit in 6 to 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, you were listening to somebody had headphones and I was yelling at you and then you couldn't hear me. This guy did a video about... Nutriloaf. Have you ever heard of it? No. So it's jail food. And so what happens is it's used as punishment. Mm -hmm. Oh, jail food. Yeah. I thought you meant G-E-L. Like it's jail. Oh, I mean, damn there is though. Food. But uh, (laughs) damn there is. (laughs) So it's used as punishment in prisons. And it's basically where they'll take like literally everything you can have in a full course meal and blend it and serve it and bake it and serve it to you as loaf and like your face yes so i'm gonna make your face even worse so you'll take a salad like an example you'll take like a salad spaghetti and meatballs like the noodles the meat the sauce um you could take coffee milk cookies bread like all six of those things put them in a mix shove it all in there in mass mush it all up maybe throw a little salt and pepper in there mush it all up Bake it, cut it into blocks, serve it to prisoners. Put. That's what that sounded like when you mentioned that scratch, that the is mush. absolutely disgusting. And if, like, rapists and pedophiles, seri- mass serial killers, they are getting fed that word. But it's probably not just those people that are getting fed that whatever you just, what is it called? A neutral Neutral loaf. loaf. That's it's called different things, Nutri-loaf, loaf. Ew. I'm grossed out. Um, <laughs> let's get away from that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, yeah, speaking of food, which I, yeah, I'm, I'm very disturbed right now. <laughs> I did not know that that was a thing. <laughs> Ew. Um, preserving food prior to the the invention of like a refrigerator um salting meats and frying to re to cook and to repurpose which one of the interesting things i found was frying food they black people learned how to fry food from native americans they Mm. would like lightly fry shit um which i just found to be really cool so they learned how to fry things from native americans and then obviously they have they had their own palate and their own cuisine from you know africa that was like passed down and people that were able to retain the people that were able to have their own gardens and have their own little like herbs and and shit like that had obviously had access to more and were able to cook a wi- a wider variety of things but when you're given scraps 
you know, ch chitlins is one of those things that I think gets debated about a lot. There are a lot of, especially older people, that they still eat it. I used to eat it as a kid. Yeah. See, my mom, my mom actually said this. Uh, my brother and I weren't allowed to eat it when we were younger. My grandma used to cook them, that and pig's feet. Mm -hmm. And my mom was like, you're not slaves, and you will not eat like one. And my grandma used to get, like, annoyed. Like, it's a delicacy. <laughs> This is like people come people come to America and specifically seek this out like this is this is something that like people like right but it is a food out of necessity like given the scraps well we have to make do with with it so pig colons so pig colons and i don't know if you have ever been around chitlins while they were in the I process eaten them. oh yeah no, I, I don't mean you i mean like listeners oh. i don't know if you've ever been in the process of chitlins being cooked or have had them uh <laughs> for some of you also you're like what are you talking about chitterlings chitterlings yeah 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 um i remember it would have been years before i learned like yo what y'all call them chitlings it says chitterlings i'm confused <laughs> <laughs> some of y'all might only know it as chitterlings um i've actually heard people say that before chitterlings yes oh i've never heard i heard it was, i was like 23 years old i think mm -hmm. i lived in texas mm -hmm. of all places was it a black person i don't remember mm. i don't remember what the person looked like but I remember somebody said chitterlings, and I looked at them like they were fucking stupid. <laughs> I've never heard anyone actively call it chitterlings, but that is, like, technically their real name, I suppose. Uh, but, you know, we cut shit down. No one has time for that extra syllable. <laughs> it's like fucking 14 there. letters. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, like, given the food that we had access to, I think, really sets the tone with our relationship and how we cook food. Because... You need nutrients, but flavor is important. I know <laughs> there's this running joke that like white people did all of the savaging and pillaging they did, um, especially in regards to Asia for spices and shit, and then didn't use near one of them in their cuisine. <laughs> flavor is important to some people. Like it should taste good. Like you want it to taste good. And if it's something that's just inherently nasty, you need to definitely make sure it's palatable. Mm. Um, which which brings me all well brings us all the way to the present because i think about grocery stores and access to food now right like i live in a a whitish area a whitish neighborhood a kind of people there's some art people here i don't really know what to call this neighborhood and really explaining it but there's a lot of whites here um there are i don't live in a food desert i have access to grocery stores and the grocery stores i have access to sell a variety of things right if i go um just to the neighborhood over and go to their grocery store that's like within walking distance and see the shit that they have access to completely different almost night and day that's not on accident mm. like I don't know what's your preferred grocery store granted you have a car so you can move and kind of go wherever you want and when you feel like it but what is your like preferred I'm a trader, grocery joe's store? Nigga. trader joe's exactly um there's a whole foods around that i walk to sometimes but the whole I, foods is right down the street from trader joe's and i'd go there <laughs> but there's less lights like yeah trader joe's between that and the Whole Foods is like maybe a, not even a full mile. Mm -hmm. I could probably run there in like a few minutes. Yeah. But driving, it would actually, I'd probably get there faster if I ran. There's that many lights going through East Liberty. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I have the two, there's two grocery stores that are in walking distance to me and I go to both of them. One, I think they're both like local. One is in kind of a high rise though. Um, and it's more of like a world ethnic market, like they sell everything. Mm. And the other one is definitely local, but just the quality of things that they provide is very different than the Save-A-Lot <laughs> that oh. is like uh, the neighborhood over. So I started to really understand this when I moved back to Pittsburgh a few years ago mm -hmm. because I had heard of that, but like I had lived in Austin, Texas, and then uh -huh. like, you know, Austin is everything there. Like, and then the whole driving thing, like, I don't, I don't, I've had a car since I was like 20, which I mean, it's not a long time, but like before I was conscious of all these things and like aware mm -hmm. of a lot of the stuff, getting around was no problem. Right. So when I lived down there, I, I didn't, wasn't aware of this. When I moved back to Pittsburgh, and I started like not feeling like going through like 18,000 lights and stop signs to get places. Geography became very important because, A, the way Pittsburgh is set up, if you're walking, you are very limited. Like it's not like Baltimore where you walk can walk places. Like, at all. When you change neighborhoods in Pittsburgh, the scenery changes, like the <laughs> geography changes yeah. from place to place, right? Yeah. So in, in driving wise, it becomes an inconvenience because there's so many neighborhoods that you don't be feeling like changing neighborhoods to go places. So before, when I first moved back, I lived in Penn Hills. And I lived in the Penn, part, Penn Hills is this huge borough in, in Pittsburgh, in Allegheny County. It's mm -hmm. one of the bigger boroughs there. And Allegheny County is one of those places that has, I'm uh, sorry, Western PA has the most boroughs per like number of people in the country. Huh. Like the, there are boroughs that have like only a couple thousand people. Yeah. And that's not something that's really common in the United States. Like mm -hmm. it's hyper-focused there. Anyways, so the area that I was in, that part of Penn Hills, was borderline to a hood part of the city. It was hood adjacent, as uh, <laughs> Faith was saying yesterday. So the, the there's this branch called Giant Eagle. It's like our big grocery grocer right. there. They they they're everywhere. Well, that branch of Giant Eagle, when I say it sold dog shit, when I got you walk in the vegetable aisle and it's like, oh, there's dog shit there, like fucking doo doo water. Yeah, it was that's, trash. That's the thing that's funny. It's like not even just completely different grocery stores within the same chain within the same chain different. <laughs> you go to east liberty like from right there so that was like in walking distance i would normally drive because it was still this busy ass road and want to walk and i didn't have to but like i could drive 10 minutes to east liberty to go to the market district mm -hmm. in shady side and i mean it was like the mall of grocery stores yes. these niggas had everything that was my grocery store that's the, i would walk to that grocery store because i lived on ellsworth mm. when i was in shady side so it was like a four or five maybe 10 minute walk i don't remember it's been a while but yeah that grocery store was crazy and they had the, everything in there and for those of you like you said market district it's giant eagle yeah it's a branch of giant eagles yeah. like it's called giant eagle market district <laughs> exactly they even like not change the name but they put a different face to make it up more of scale mm -hmm. and when you re then just like get into what they're offering even the fruits and vegetables okay you don't want to provide great produce because produce can just be up and down look at the other shit that they're selling most of it a high in sugar high fructose corn syrup really no nutritional value yeah the flavor is there but that's all that's there mm -hmm. once you've once it's like gone down your throat it is only causing disaster in your body. <laughs> <laughs> the the veg the fruit and vegetable the produce section at the the giant eagle and market district and shady side 
was huge mm-hmm. in let's okay we're in the northeast right giant eagle's not known for selling ethnic foods right. so they have one aisle where they put all the asian and mexican food exactly <laughs> well the produce section of the uh giant eagle and that part of penn hills was as big as the ethnic section mm-hmm. in any other giant eagle it was like nigga, all y'all sell is lettuce apples bananas and carrots yeah. like, that's it peppers yeah, yeah. <laughs> um then where my where I live now, I live in an uh, area called like Swissvale by Edgewood, and so there's a giant eagle there, and it's more like moderate. Like they sell they sell good stuff. It's better, but it's not like the crazy one either. Mm-hmm. But in my gym is in Wilkinsburg. They have to save a lot. And I remember a couple years ago, I went and I saved a lot to go get some food. <laughs> and I remember that saved a lot from high school. Like that's where I went to high school at. Mm-hmm. So I remember it was trash back then. Mm-hmm. But I I didn't really know groceries all like that. I just remember like I don't like this place. Right. I went back there at twenty fucking six, twenty seven, twenty eight, or something like that. And I'm like, yo, this is abysmal. Like niggas shop here. Like this is open. This and is allowed. And doing like their priority like the most of their grocery shopping like most of the food in their house probably 99 percent of it is coming from a place like this yeah with the shit that's provided in yeah. here and that's one of the neighborhoods that's not a food desert like you could go i don't know if there's grocery stores in braddock i hope that there are but it might be the the uh the giant eagle by my house and braddock is if it if there isn't one in braddock there's not a giant eagle there you have to go to the waterfront which means you have to cross a bridge or you come to where i am which you have to go through an entire neighborhood to get to the grocery store where i'm at mm-hmm. because like that area i think is a food desert or like you go to homewood there's no grocery stores in homewood that are like real you have to go up to that penn hills one which means you have to go up this long mile long road to uphill busy road to get there or you got to go to the east end co-op which the co-op is nice, but nigga, one apple costs three dollars. Yeah, and it's just like, especially in those food deserts where they might have like corn, the corner stores that accept EBT, and they mm-hmm. all they sell is like cakes and donuts or frozen pizzas and like microwavable, bread. yeah, canned and microwavable food, and so that's like the basis for for people's nutrition. So you couple that with this high stress, and it's like no shit y'all have we have diabetes so high no shit we have high blood pressure look at the shit that we're eating and the stress that we're under Uh, uh, duh Mm -hmm. (laughs) like one and one equals two um so something that i thought i added activity and i really want to get your opinion on this because i feel like with health it is you're not healthy just because you eat healthy food like you don't have to be a gym rat but you do need to exercise your body and your muscles and just take care you know of 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 the shit your body that's like getting you around and moving and especially thinking about getting older when you as you age you will just be more healthy if you take care of your body holistically like completely not just the food exercising and working your muscles and stretching and doing things like that as well from my understanding and from my limited knowledge um even at a young age the access to sports and physical activity at a young age because it costs money Black people, black kids don't tend to be in as many sports and as many physical activities as their white counterparts. And the Aspen Institute 
um, did this initi- initiative, well, they're doing it, called Project Play, which is essentially, it's an initiative to build better communities through sports. And they found that um, for a lot of black youths that are in sports, specifically like football and basketball, they're not necessarily doing it just for the love of the game. There's this belief in whether they're pushing themselves, the parent is pushing them, a coach is pushing them. There is this push to, if you succeed in this, you can get a scholarship for college or you can be pro. Versus, um, you know, white students, while they might very well still be aiming to do those things as well, it's not necessarily at the forefront of why they're participating in these sports, which I found to be very interesting. As you read that, I started to get a little tinge of guilt mm-hmm. because I've, I, I see this literally like right now mm-hmm. in my own gym. So for those of you listening, like I run a personal training studios, coaching business, and a lot of like my athletes are runners and you know a lot of like youth athletes i have two kids that come to mind mm-hmm. and they f- the, the profile of them is very different right i have one kid she's a senior she just like signed a letter of intent for uh, a track scholarship Bro, shout when, out to you uh, shout out to her first of all shout out to you when i first got her her freshman year mm-hmm. and she came out running these times like oh she's got some talent like she can go somewhere the conversation, she was 15, 14 years old, was scholarships, right? Mm-hmm. Even this year, like, when I get on her ass about, like, yo, you need to be training, you need to be doing X, Y, Z, like, let's stay focused. Yes, I want her to run these great times. I want to have fun. I'm like, yo, you got to get the scholarship. Like, mm-hmm. you come from the hood. Like, she come from the hood. Like, the neighborhood I was just actually just talking about, that's where mm-hmm. she's from. Like, I'm like, and she's not, like, she's smart, but she's not, like, scholarly in this sense. Right. right? She's not about to go a 4.0 and get a full ride just on that, mm-hmm. like, and given where she comes from, it's just going to be that much harder for her to kind of just move throughout life. And so I'm pressed, like, yo, I want you to get the scholarship. Like, you know, your maturity with education is coming along. You're bright. So I think you can do well in college. But, mm-hmm. like, your high school, is, you're not about to get no full ride on academic. Right. You got to get this track scholarship. And, like, her family, I mean, they're not about to cash her out for college, like, by any stretch. And, you know, I don't, no one wants to take on all those loans. Mm-hmm. So I'm, like, pressing her. I have another kid who's a talented runner. She does a different type of running. She's a long-distance runner. She's a freshman, actually, but this girl is talented. Like, if she keeps on a trajectory, she could get a scholarship offer. And But she comes from this nice middle-class family, and I love the family. They're great, but they live on this little private road. Mm. They live by this park. The house is gorgeous. These mm-hmm. niggas, all four of them go on trips all the time, like... You know, their their membership, they pay more than a lot of other people because they pay for three of them right. to come and train, mm-hmm. right? Well, they, we don't talk about scholarships. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about this at all. Yeah. Her, she has a brother who's also talented. He's a really good long-distance runner. Again, he could, he probably will run track in college unless he, you know, he's good at basketball. Um, I don't think he's like super, like superstar stellar at basketball, mm-hmm. but he's a pretty solid player. He He's going to play sports in college. But at no point, I've been with this family longer than I've been with the other girl, or just about as long. Like, I've been coaching them since they were in middle school. Mm-hmm. I, not once have <laughs> we had a conversation about scholarships. Yeah. The moment I met this other girl, we were talking about scholarships. Right off the and bat. they're just as talented as she is at mm-hmm. what they do. Like, there's not like a huge talent gap. Like, these two kids are pretty talented. 
and we don't talk about that like they got history bees and like swimming like they're just in for the enrichment like they're going to be lifelong runners they're going to be lifelong playing their sports she's not going to run track when she's 30 right. like i mean she she goes pro but if she doesn't go pro like she's not going to run track when she's you know our age right mm-hmm. and and i don't know if she's going to do other sports like i have you, you saying that to me is like i should talk to her just about her own activity because well, she just falls off the wagon whereas these other two kids they're okay. always going to be active for the rest yeah. of their life they kayak they go hiking and camping and all that yeah and so then that made me start to think about so so if at a young age we're not getting into all of these sports uh with the with the thought of i just want to do it because i want to i like it or I want to build and be a better teammate. Like all the all the things that you gain from from playing a sport. If we're not actively involved in that at a young age, we're less likely to jump on the bandwagon and and incorporate it into our life as we get older. And so if we remove basic or I shouldn't say basic, but physical activity from a young age, then how do you we it doesn't get sustained through adulthood Mm -hmm. so now not only do we have access to really shitty food you're not doing any physical activity to try to counterbalance you know that like the food that you're intaking so i I was interested to hear kind of your thoughts and like of middle-aged or older people and and maybe what you've seen within your gym and your um, members in terms of color and access and things like that so i coach a lot of like my high school coaching experiences with a, a, mostly black kids mm-hmm. like the school i coach at is very mixed but the track kids that come out are black um, my gym has a is a decent mix, but there's a lot of upper middle class white people. I mean, honestly, my business targets that, right? Right. Uh, just you know, based on member, any all this other stuff, business wise. So they're like different worlds. Yeah. Um, even the kids who come to train with me, I I have kids who come to train with me. Their parents pay two to three hundred dollars a month for their kids to come train with me, and they don't plan to play college sports. They're not even actively. Pl- trying to play a sport i have a couple of kids they're not actively really that serious about trying to play a sport mm-hmm. it's literally for health and fitness mm-hmm. like it's to get their kids something to do yeah and this essence that you know they feel like this just being active in physically you know uh doing something is just important and you know with the whole pandemic there's not other things for them to do right whereas with we think about that soccer conversation we had the other day mm-hmm. uh, we had a little mini debate in in black with black kids, you know, with football players, basketball players I've worked with, like, it's an existential thing. Mm-hmm. Like, people pursuing these scholarship sports, you know, um, especially, like, when it comes to football and basketball in the hood, it's an existential, like, risk not to. Like, yeah. if you don't come from an area where your parents are pressing you to be scholars and, you know, you don't have money to just be paying for college, right? And just the environment of how sports plays a role and anchors a community around that. And this happens in poor white communities too. Like these poor white Midwestern communities and how they anchor football to their communities. Mm -hmm. Like it becomes an existential thing that kids don't play soccer. They don't play golf. They don't go and do lacrosse. They don't play volleyball. Um, or they do it just as something else to do because maybe that kid literally loves like just playing sports. Right. But they're not being taught that it's just actually healthy for them. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, when they're training, it's not about their health in this, you know, being a healthy body. It's like health, 
you need to train so you don't break your knee. Yeah. You don't tear an ACL. You don't break a femur. You don't right. pull a hip bone or mm-hmm. muscle. I'm, I'm speaking so badly right now for somebody <laughs> who professionally does this. But, like, you get talked about health burden, not injuries versus, mm-hmm. like, your actual health. And so when I see with these middle, uh, middle-aged people, you know, there's, there's a reason that you don't see um, black flag football players of America, right? Mm-hmm. But you see black girls run. Mm-hmm. Because running for just joy, like there's a certain peace of mind you kind of have to have in life to just decide to go running, to just go hiking. Like there's that cultural piece of outdoorsiness being a white thing. And so, you know, white people go run. Like I'm not pressed about trying to win a race. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, you come from a a culture in the hood where like you're playing a sport because you want to win. Like, if you're not good at football, niggas like, why are you even on the team? (laughs) Yeah, it's very much like, and I think especially because it is a way out for so many black people and their families that it's kind of like, if you can't, if you're not going to take this serious, why would I invest money in something and I don't know if what the ROI would be, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, there needs to be a reason. And unfortunately, your just health, and the, even the mental well-being that comes with playing a sport um, is not high on the priority list. Not at all. It's not even on there. Yeah. <laughs> like the people at my gym, you you know, you, you mentioned the middle middle-aged people. These niggas pay to go run five k's. <laughs> I could go right now. I just went and ran yesterday. I could mm-hmm. go right now after we're done recording this and go run three point one miles. Right. But they'll pay to go and do that in a thing. And coming from the hood, niggas is like, what? Like I'm still. I went and did a turkey trot on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I'm still having an existential issue with like, <laughs> I was like one of five black people there. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no, one of like three maybe. The other guy was a vet. He was like middle age. And I was like, did, nigga, did I just really pay to go run a 5K <laughs> on Thanksgiving? Like, is this, is this what my life is? <laughs> and like, I run a gym. I yeah. ran college track. Yeah. I run for fun. Mm-hmm. I still had that conversation with myself. Just right. imagine what other black people are doing when it comes to sport and activity. Like, why would I go running? Why would I go biking? Like, I'm just going to just go on a Saturday afternoon and go bike. Like, why would I do that? And that message of health and fitness, you know, not being prevalent, but it's due to the stresses, like the stresses of life. You don't feel comfortable, safe. There's this um, kind of peace of mind when you, you mentioned like sailing and shit like that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, people get into some interesting activities. They go sailing, they go hang gliding, they go mountain climbing, mm-hmm. right? These are really cool and, and challenging sports that do help you grow as a human being. But you have to be in a certain place in your life to do that kind of shit. For sure. And when you think about the stress um, that's passed down, the environment that we a lot of us grow up in in the hood, like the idea of doing that doesn't come up. And then if the idea of doing that comes up, it's like, like I am not at peace to yeah. want to do something like that. <sighs> yeah. Um, you know, I am currently finding what my my like hobby bag is. Granted, like embroidery and sewing isn't any physical activity, but I am trying to move into that space because I know you have to start. We have to start young. I've never been like a physical activity person. Mm, that's not true. When I was younger, I like did gymnastics and I swam and I danced like off and on throughout high school, like up until high school. And, you know, when I was in college, I would go to the gym occasionally. I still probably past college would go to the gym occasionally, but that's just not my 
that's not how I guess I want to maintain my health. Like I'm just not a gym person. I'm just not interested in it. Um, especially like consistently, like a few times a month might be cool, but I need to find some other physical activity that I can get in. My mom, you be walking though. I, I do. And I power walk. <laughs> I can't, I keep up with Savannah Walker. I, I went and ran like 20 miles this week. We walked to the store up the street, and I'm always behind. I'm like, okay, slow down. Um, I know. It's like, girl, where are you going? Why are you walking like you're in a rush? But part of that is because I don't want people talking to me. So if you look like you have somewhere to go, especially like the face that I put on, like people are very, they're less likely to stop and try to talk to me. Um, just FYI, if you see me on the street, I do not want to talk to you. <laughs> That's why I'm moving so quickly. <laughs> but understanding the importance of continuing to have some type of physical activity, not because you're going to get a scholarship, not because you're going to be a pro, but because it does bring some solace and peace of mind and it keeps you healthy. My mom, my mom ran track when she was younger and off and on and has gotten got into it and she's consistently been in it she's one she's like you she enjoys running okay <laughs> y'all got that <laughs> but she does it in her it brings her excitement and it brings her joy and she's becoming a more healthier person because of it but that's that's not the only reason why she's doing it obviously she's not getting a scholarship for track she is 51 <laughs> she's, she's beyond that um so she does it out of pure desire and she is able to do that. She has a, a well-paying job. She has, you know, some her life together more or less. And she has the ability to find a, a sport or an activity that she's interested in. But so many other people don't. They go through middle age up until their adulthood struggling and strife and turmoil, unhealthy with less access to things. So it's kind of like, can I even do that? Can I mm. even sign up? For that like that that's not a space for me you know yeah and then when you think about just the legacy of racism and those type of issues of feeling welcome if there aren't black people in mass where you are who yeah. go rock climbing mm -hmm. they're golfing they're sailing right you if you when you go to certain spaces they're pretty white spaces if you go to a golfing range if you go to these different rock climbing places if you go even running sometimes just yeah. in dirt in certain areas, like it's very white. And if you don't feel comfortable with that because of, again, fear uh, or of not being welcome and not just fear of not being welcome, niggas are not welcoming to you. <laughs> like there was that whole thing about those black women that got the police called on them for being too loud at a golf course. Yeah. And the police were like, thankfully, like, nigga, why did you call us? Like, yeah. this is dumb. But, like, they wanted them off the course because they were being loud, having a good time. Mm -hmm. Okay, ain't you supposed to have a good time when you're golfing? Right. But there are these incidents. That's just one that happened, like, a few weeks ago. You know, if you know, if you know you're not welcome in those spaces, that's why you get groups. Like, I have this shirt on, like, Black Running Organization, right? There are groups that black girls run. There's black outdoors groups, you know, that, that are catered to that because there are safe spaces to where you actually can feel welcome because... You know, this is an episode we're going to make eventually. We've alluded to this a lot. Why there are not like white centered organizations oh, that are like yeah. mainstream. Like there are, but they're usually terrorists. But like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like why there are not like white people running together or mm -hmm. like, you know, white hikers. 
Nigga, cause because when you go like, do the that, default is white. <laughs> it's the default. Yeah. It's the American default is that it's white. That's why there are other things, just for those of you who are curious. Yeah. And, you know, that's why those organizations exist. So that there's plenty of black people who run in this group in Baltimore mm-hmm. that I've run with that would probably not be running if this group didn't exist. Because right. they're like, I'm just going to run and like be around a bunch of people Whites. that don't make me feel comfortable yeah 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 and that comfort matters a lot because that's absolutely. part of the peace of mind of doing the activity uh, absolutely especially if it's if this is supposed to bring me peace of mind and solace i shouldn't be stressed out here too you know like no i'm good like i don't want to be up on a mount on a fucking rock and like hey nigger come down now i'm stressed and i'm fucking 50 feet in the air yeah or like we you hear these just horrid stories of like the one lone black person that was with this group of whites and they mysteriously died that's real and and then like no further investigation was done (laughs) they just wrote it off as this person did this or this person did that um like the granted they weren't doing a physical activity but the black woman that was at that sleepover that mysteriously died it's like uh, okay girl um sure it was a mystery it is a mystery but you could get to the bottom of it y'all just don't (laughs) want to um i want to wrap this up just by saying i found that the u.s census um did a population projection but I just want to talk about 2017. I don't want to talk about the projection. And so the average lifespan for Black people, um, American Indian, and Alaskan Native people. So the census kind of clumps p- groups together. And it's very interesting. Blacks and Native Americans are clumped in one group. And about the average life span for us, um, for men, it's like 73 years and for women, it's 79. For whites, Asians, Pacific Islanders, and damn, I forget what the NH, Native Hawaiian is what that stood for. Um, the life expectancy for men is about 77 years, and for women, about 82 years. And then uh, Hispanic, uh, Latino, men, 79 years, women, 84 years. Can we just notice how you put spice on Latino? Latino? Like, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm practicing my Spanish. I can't be out here. You know, I, it's so... I really thought I was going to be multilingual when I was a child. I just knew I was going to speak five languages. And I've attempted to learn two, and I've conquered neither. Well, attempted to learn three, and I've conquered none of them. So I'm, like, back in the Spanish thing. One of my goals is to just be fluent by the end of the year. One of the reasons that stopped me from really practicing my Spanish, because I didn't want to sound like a white person trying to speak Spanish. Like, if I want to speak it, I want to, like, actually be able to speak Spanish and people not, and not be super clear that I'm American. But I had to get over that. Like, this is my voice. This is my accent. I'm never going to have a complete, unless I move back to a, a Spanish-speaking country and actually practice the Spanish with the people living there I'm just going to have an accent when I speak Spanish but I can do Latino so (laughs) that's where we at (laughs) on that note we're out of here (laughs) yeah we're out of here I'm really curious on how their life expectancy is so high I'm happy that it is but Mm -hmm. those are like that that gap between men and women in general and also just with black men like yeah, you guys have the lowest life expectancy rate or the lowest like average lifespan. Um, not surprised. Women, 
you know, that's a whole other thing that I want to look into, and I don't want to. I they don't want to do it right now. Men just do dumb shit that get themselves killed. Men do, <laughs> men do dumb shit. Um, and I think women. It's interesting because we talk about chronic stress and pain, but like being a woman, some of the pain that we deal with, like internally. I don't want to. T- I don't want to do this now. <laughs> Not right now. Another time. <laughs> Thanks. So thank you all for listening. Um, I hope you got something good out of this. I even just having this discussion, like we've talked about these things before, Mm -hmm. but us actively on here and discussing that, like it made me think about the conversations I have with kids. Like I didn't even think about that until this came up. So hopefully you got something good out of this. Uh, I certainly did. And just helped you understand, you know, some of these discrepancies and how Peace of mind is a precursor to Mm -hmm. doing activities, Mm -hmm. but the activities themselves give you peace of mind. And Mm -hmm. so it's this little weird catch-22 that we find ourselves in. And thankfully, there are groups of people who go and push, whether it's, you know, women or it's black people or Hispanic or anybody, to go ahead and do these activities that are not white activities. It's just white people enjoy a peace of mind to go do that shit. And they have it, yeah. And that that other people don't because we're worried about surviving. Yeah, and and just overall understanding that all... A lot of this, all of this stuff is built on top of each other. They're not these isolated issues. Mm Like, once we start to chip away at one thing, it's like... I mean, the whole house will come down. These things, it's there's there's a reason why the save a lot that's in the hood is the way that it is. The giant eagle in the hood provides the food that it provides. There's like there's reasons for all of this. And when you attack someone on all fronts, it's a lot it makes it a lot harder for them to get themselves out of, you know, the bullshit that you essentially surrounded them in. Yeah. So as a closing note, I want you all to remember. If you live in the hood and you have a shitty grocery store, you can't be a vegan. (laughs) Bye.